is my joy and honor uh, to be here uh, with y'all this morning. Um, I had a lovely week off, and so I am refreshed, and that just means we're probably going to talk even faster than normal. Um, I do invite you to wander your way to your seats, um, bow your heads, and join me in the opening prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to be in your house. We give you thanks for this chance to be in your presence. We give you thanks that you move in our world in mighty ways and move in our lives in mighty ways. And so, God, may this be at least one hour where we see how mighty, how glorious, and how gracious you are. God, we pray that wherever we are, whether we are here in person, whether we are joining in online, that this ground may be holy ground and this time may be holy time where we can give ourselves over to you completely, to your word, to your presence, to your conviction, and to your grace. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that your faithfulness is so great, that you turn that faithful love to us, your creation. God, we are deeply thankful for that love, that presence, that faithfulness that can be our strength, our power, our guiding light, and our salvation. And God, we give you thanks for all the places in our lives that we have seen you and continue to see you. And God, we now also lift up to you those places where we need you. Those friends, those family members, those people in our lives, even ourselves, who are in deep need of you. In particular, we continue to lift up Sandra and her battle with pancreatic cancer. We lift up John um, and his continued recovery um, from, uh, from a stroke or from two strokes. God, we give you thanks that he is doing better, that he is making progress, the facility he is at is going well. Uh, but God, we pray um, for his uh, continued healing. We lift up um, to your baby Susanna, um, who is suffering from congestion and sniffles, uh, which when your nose is that small, um, is particularly troubling. And so God, uh, we pray uh, for her healing. Uh, we lift up our dear sister Amanda, uh, who is in need of your strength and power. God, we pray that you send that into her life. Uh, we lift up the family of Charlie Wood, uh, who passed away um, after, after those strokes. And so, God, uh, we pray uh, for his family and for all who knew him and loved him. Um, and, God, we also lift up the ongoing situation in Ukraine. Um, we pray for peace. Uh, we pray protection um, over the civilian populations uh, who are in the way. God, uh, we pray for you to find a way where there seems to be no way. But, God, we pray for peace um, and for safety. Um, and, God, we also lift up our own souls that we may ever seek you to be your people. We know there are places where we fall short of you and we confess those in our hearts. But God, we also know even as we do that, there is your love. There is your next chance. There is your second chance. Um, there is that grace for us. And so God, we pray that we take that chance, that opportunity, that grace you have given us and go out to the world to be your people, to be your hands and feet, whether we are spreading love by swinging a hammer um, or through kind words or through presence or through whatever, God, may we be your people in the world, telling of what you have done for us and what you can do for others. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated, um, and I invite the children uh, to come forward uh, for a message prepared that uh, Pastor Emily has prepared uh, just for y'all. Well, good morning, friends. 
Okay, so my questions for you today are, I think, a little bit easier than some of our other questions we've had up here. The first one is, if I wanted to make my body super strong, what would I need to do? Exercise. Exercise. What else? Eat good food. Eat good food, so I can't just eat, like, donuts and drink Dr. Pepper and get super, super strong? Shoot. Dang. Okay. Disappointing. All right. So if I eat right and exercise, it can make my body strong. What about if I wanted to make my mind strong, if I wanted to make my brain stronger? What do you think? Learn at school and listen good. Those are excellent answers. I was going to say math and ELA. Donuts and just drinking Dr. Pepper is not healthy. That's very true. Donuts and Dr. Pepper is not the way to go to make your brain strong, huh? What else? You have to eat healthy food. You do. You have to eat healthy food to make your brain strong, too. Absolutely. You have to have good nutrition. Okay, and then here's the tough one. Are you ready? What do I do if I want to make my spirit strong, my soul strong? What can we do to make that strong? That's a great one. What else? Another one, exercise. Exercise. How do we exercise our spirit? What's a way that we can do that? Listen to God and pray. Absolutely. I forgot. Okay. All right. Okay, so they had all the answers. Did y'all catch that congregation? So listen to God and pray and read our Bibles and, and exercise our spirit. So that's what we're going to do today to get stronger. Awesome. You guys had all great answers today. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our head, close our eyes. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us strong bodies. Thank you for giving us strong minds. And thank you for giving us strong spirits. Help us to continue to grow stronger in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job, guys. You can head back to your seats. Our scripture in this morning comes from Paul's second, excuse me, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized in into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were stuck in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters, as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example, and they were written down to instruct us on whom the end of the age, ages has come. So, if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not uncommon to anyone. That, excuse me, that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. 
and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But the testing will also provide the excuse me, the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, one of my favorite things I have ever seen in the world is St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It is the church that it's at the heart of Vatican City. Um, it is kind of the spiritual home of the Catholic Church. It is built where, on top of where they believe Peter was crucified upside down, um, where he actually was put into the ground. They found actual fairly firm archaeological evidence that Peter is down there. They don't know which grave it is, um, but they have first century graffiti that says Peter is here. Um, and so they're, and Peter was not a common name, right? Peter's name is literally the rock. He's like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of the first century because Peter is Petros. It just means rock. No one was named rock until Peter. Um, and so it's not a common name. And so Peter the Rock Johnson is down there. It's beautiful. It's designed by Donatello and Michelangelo and Raphael and all of the other Ninja Turtles. All of them worked on this thing. It's beautiful. It has a, some of the most amazing artwork, this soaring dome. The walls are, look like they're painted, except they're very small rocks. It's actually mosaic, not painting. It is just, it is one of the most beautiful things made by human hands that I have ever seen. It's astounding. It is, was also astoundingly expensive to build 500 years, five, 600 years ago when they built it, and that actually created a fundraising problem for the medieval and Renaissance Catholic Church. They wanted to build these, all of these mighty cathedrals and basilicas, etc., except they kept running out of money to build these things, despite at that point being the largest government on earth. And so... They decided that to create a very interesting fundraising scheme called indulgences. What an indulgence is, is you could pay for forgiveness. You had committed some major sin. You can imagine their children in the room. Just imagine a major sin in your mind. Just, you know, imagine what a major sin might be. You do that sin. You go to your local religious representative, and that religious representative gives you a fee. You pay that fee, and you get a certificate saying, I have been forgiven of this sin. It's a really great fundraising scheme. I, too, could build St. Peter's Basilica um, if I could go, okay, you have, uh, it is Mardi Gras season, uh, so y'all have done Mardi Gras things. Okay, that one's a $25. Ooh, that one's bad. That one's $3,500. you are going to have to drop in the plate. But it wasn't actually that kind of fundraising, that kind of indulgence was not bringing in enough funds. So they came up with a new and far more interesting form of indulgence. That is, you could prepay for your sinning. So let's say you have a big bachelor weekend um, ahead of you and you know like it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild and crazy time and so you could go to your local religious representative and say hello I plan to commit these sins how much will it cost for me to be forgiven of these sins in advance okay that will be oh that one's 40 grand sir yes here you go here's your forty thousand dollars um here is my certificate saying you are now pre-forgiven for your sin you could buy 
a get out of hell free card. Literally. You could pay for sins you had not yet committed that you planned to commit and receive absolute, what's called absolution in advance. Sounds really appealing. It's theologically terrible, but sounds appealing. We have, I think, within all of us. Now, eventually, Martin Luther got really mad about this stuff, and he started the Lutheran Church, and also the Catholics got really mad about this stuff, and the Council of Trent met, and they don't do that stuff anymore either. Now you have to, I actually have two Catholic indulgences that hang on my office wall, but I got them for walking 500 miles each. Um, so, like, you can still get them, but it's only for things you have already done, um, and it's really just a, a certificate that says, hi, um, God really does forgive me. They all got rid of this because it is theologically terrible. But you understand how they got there. Because on some level, it's appealing, right? Where you don't actually have to strive in a Christian life. You don't actually have to avoid temptation. Avoiding temptation is really hard. And the world has so many interesting and tempting things. Instead, you could just prepay your way out of trouble. Rather than relying on grace, rather than relying on our own ability for grace to work in our lives, you could just cut a check, swipe the card, and go on with life. Certainly, the Corinthians in, in Corinth are butting up against some real temptations, and they're looking for an easy way out of of not, not out of temptation, but out of getting in trouble for the temptation. The Roman world, the Greco-Roman world, was an extremely tempting place um, because a lot of their worship of the, of the Greek and Roman gods, what Paul here calls the idols, was really appealing, right? So you think about the Temple of Aphrodite. Let's just think about uh, the Temple of Aphrodite. So there are priestesses of Aphrodite uh, that you can worship Aphrodite by having a relationship with the priestesses of Aphrodite, right? That was just a legitimate part of idol worship in the Greco-Roman world was fun relationships with the priestesses of Aphrodite. You can think about how you worship the god Dionysus. You do that by having wine-filled feasts. This is the culture that invented the vomitorium, right? You're at the feast of Dionysus. You're eating the food. You are drinking the drink. You become ill because you are so full. You go into the vomitorium. You vomito into the vomitorium. And then you go back and you put more stuff in and then you send more stuff out. And you, right? It's a whole cycle. This was worship of the god Dionysus. You think of the worship of the god Ares or Mars, depending if you're on the Greek side or the Roman side. That's when you went to the Colosseum and watched a whole bunch of people get hacked and slashed up and you bet on them uh, who was going to live and who was going to die and that was worshiping the god Mars. It's really tempting. And so the Corinthians kind of look at Paul and go, hi, I, I know we've like accepted Christ into our lives, but have you seen these temptations that are available? I don't think we can withstand them. It's really appealing. Those priestesses of Aphrodite, the hack and slash worship of Mars, the gluttony of Dionysus, like this is really tempting. We can't overcome it. These, this mountain of temptation that we've encountered cannot be overcome. To which Paul looks at them, over the page, and it goes, hi, okay, so let me tell you about our friends in the Exodus. They too got tempted a lot. They too 
stumbled and fell. And they too faced some significant consequences for their stumbles. They got stuck in the desert for generations. Not all of them made it to the promised land because when they were tempted to walk away from God and give into idols, they did. And when they were, you know, lost their faith in God and decided to do whatever, they got in trouble over and over again trapped in the cycle of they see temptation, they fall for temptation, it does not go well for them. They can be an example that everyone, every generation of person has faced some kind of temptation. And the world, whether it's ancient times, Greco-Roman times, or modern times, the world is always a mountain of temptation. But verses 12 and 13 make Paul's perspective on this temptation fairly clear. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Everyone, every human, has faced temptation. The temptations of the age are different. We don't have temples to Aphrodite um, and Mars and Dionysus. We have, you know, Golden Corral. But, like, it's just the modern festival of Dionysus. We have our own temptations. But just as those in the Exodus were tempted, just as the people of Corinth were tested just as all of us are tempted. The truth is, we do not have to give in to those temptations. Instead, God will not test us beyond what we can handle because God will always give us the power to overcome them. This is not God looking at the Corinthians or you or I and saying, yeah, I know those temptations are tough. Good luck, kid. Don't give in. This is God saying, yeah, those temptations are tough. Guess what? You don't have to face them alone. You don't have to give in to them. Here is my strength. Here is my power. Here is my grace. I will help you. I will get you through this. Work with me and we can overcome anything. It is not God simply standing up in heaven, shaking a finger and saying, you should not do bad things. That's what God sounds like. It's not Morgan Freeman, rudely. It's that. It is instead God reaching out a hand and saying, yeah, I know it's hard. Grab on. I'll pull you through this. But the truth is, we all just want to get out of jail free card, right? On some level, deep down. We want to get out of jail free card. We want, we want something that tells us we can just do anything we want, and God will forgive us, and so we can just do anything we want. I have... I think in here, and certainly on Wednesday nights, have called this the Alan Jenkins problem. Poor Alan Jenkins was the pastor's kid um, at my home church when I was a teenager. Um, and Alan was a couple years older than me, and Alan was very sophisticated and very smart and knew everything about God. And I was 15 and was not very sophisticated and knew very little about God. Um, but I was sitting in a small group with Alan when, again, I was 15 and he was 17. And he said, I, I have accepted Christ into my heart, and so now I can do whatever I want in this life, and God will let me into heaven. And even 15-year-old me took a step back and went, Alan, I didn't wear glasses then, but Alan, I don't know why that's wrong. 
but I know it's wrong. Because I know your dad has stood up on the, in the pulpit and talked about how I'm supposed to lead a Christian life. And our youth director has told us it's supposed to live a Christian life. And, you know, it seems, there seems to be some, God seems to care about our behavior. You are way smarter than me. And you've introduced me to this whole new idea. And I can just do whatever I want as long as I accept Jesus into my heart. But that doesn't feel right because it's not right. Yes. Jesus does. Forgive us. Jesus does. It's 100% true. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Christ goes down that terrible road, gets whipped and beaten and killed and buried, and rises on the third day and forgives us for whatever we do. Whether we planned it in advance or whether it just sort of happened because our will broke. Jesus is going to forgive it. I know. I, I, you are not, we're not going to walk out of here thinking, I don't want y'all to walk out of here thinking that there are some things that Jesus doesn't forgive because that's not true. Jesus will forgive anything. And there's not a point system in heaven, right? It's not that like you live a more Christian life and you get better seats. You get the box seats in the stadium of God. No, it turns out whether you've been a Christian for a hundred years or confess Christ in your dying breath, you're going to the same place. That is the mystery and glory and grace of God. There is still not an express lane into heaven. But, Christ went through a lot to give you that strength, that power, that grace. Christ loved and loves you deeply. We claim to love Christ. If then we claim to love Christ, to simply want some sort of get out of jail free card, misunderstands how much it cost Christ to give us this chance that we have, this grace that we can live with. And so you're right. God will forgive. Alan was not wrong. God will forgive you. But, that forgiveness came at a great cost. And to simply think of it as a get-out-of-jail-free card is to disrespect and dishonor what Christ willingly and painfully gave to us all. It also leaves out the part where God's going to get you through whatever it is you face. Yes, if you look at that mountain of sin and go, that mountain of temptation goes, there ain't no way I'm going to get past that. I'm going to give into it at some point. With that attitude, you're absolutely right. You will give into every temptation imaginable. If you think it is impossible to not give into temptation, you're right. You will give into them all. Not with that attitude. But if you recognize what Paul tells us, that God's not going to put you up against something that you cannot overcome because God is going to journey with you and pour strength into your life that whole way, then yes, you can overcome it. And so the question is not, will God forgive you? God will always forgive you. That is an unlimited offer of grace. God will always forgive you. The question is not, can you overcome it? You can. Nay, not on your own. Certainly I can on my own. Lord knows I love chocolate and other things that I should not love. But I can. We can. 
You can. We all can. Because God keeps God's promises. And if God says, I'm going to be there with you through it, then God's going to be there with you, there with you through it. The question is merely, will you let that be what powers you? Will you let Christ's strength be your strength? Or will you continue to either think I'm just going to get away with it, so who, why do you care? Or think, I'm going to do this on my own, which you can't. God will always forgive you. God will always be there for you. Will you let that be what powers you or not? Because it's already there. It's already accomplished. Christ already died and rose. The Spirit of God already came down. All of this stuff is present in the world and in your life right now. You don't have to look for it. It's right there. It's always been there. It will always be there. It's the most powerful force in the universe. The question is merely, will you make the most powerful force in the universe your power or not? Because as Paul tells us in verse 13, no testing has ever overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. One of my favorite parables, it's not in the Bible, but it's one of my favorite parables. It's one I've told often, but it fits here. It's the parable of the guy that fell into the hole. Guy falls, guy is walking along, falls into a hole. His friend, who I always name Bob, um, Bob comes by, sees his friend in the hole, um, jumps down into the hole with his friend. The friend looks at Bob and goes, Bob, what is wrong with you? Now we are both in this hole. Bob looks at his friend and says, I know, but I've been in this hole before and I know the way out. Christ came to earth and lived all the temptations that you and I face. He came to do that, to be that friend in the hole with us, saying, yeah, 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 I've been in this hole too. I just happen to know the way out. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the grace comes in Christ. We give you thanks for your deep and unending love of us, even while we yet are disobedient and give in to temptation. Loving God, pour your strength into us, and may we see it for what it is. Pour your power into us, we may see it as the power to overcome whatever it is that we face. God, drive out of our minds that spirit of hopelessness that says, I can't help myself. Maybe I can't, but in you, anything is possible. And your strength is there. May we claim it. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. As you grab the hands of people around you, form one united body in Christ, because in the power of God's spirit, that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Yes, this world and this life is a mountain of temptation. But the power of God is there with you to overcome it, if you will let it in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.